after church, we're going to have food available for everybody. It's a pastor eating them up big uh, event next door. So it, today's my birthday. Amen. And so uh, I am 15 years none of your business, all years old. And um, so, uh, but yeah, we're going to have food. I almost forgot my wife said, make sure you let everybody know. Amen. So you're invited to eat. Praise the Lord. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15. And we're going to read down through verse 17. Therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of your time, because the days are evil. So then, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Father, we thank you for everything you're doing in our lives, for what you're doing in the church, Lord God, as we sense an excitement, a hunger to know you, a hunger for something different than just the way we live and what we've lived. We want more of you and less of the world. And I ask God that you'd help us to really understand your will, that we would not be foolish and we would not waste our time because we know that these days, as we look around, it's getting worse and worse, God. And we want to be knit with you, walk with you, be a part of your, your purpose. Holy Spirit, I ask that you touch hearts, change their hearts, change thinking patterns, move and, and break bondages, I pray. And we all said, Amen and Amen. Understanding God's will. That, that is almost, almost impossible. We, could, um, we can get a good, slight glimpse of it. Um, and really, we, we can't seem to think or, or claim to think that we're ever going to understand it. Um, because to the human mind, the thought process, it, God, God doesn't make sense. Um, God's ways are not our ways. Our ways are not his ways. You know, I, I got a blender because my blender broke, right? And I, I was sitting there and I'm picking out one blender and it was clear as day. And, I was like, and God says, I don't care about blenders. I could, but, but I'm going to get a blender. He goes, you can get a blender, but I could care less about blenders. And, and I was sitting there thinking, well, why, is, why, is I get, why am I getting that thought? It's, it's not that we can't get a blender, but the, the things in this world, the material things in the world are not that important. The importance we put on them. There's far more greater things in this world. And when you're dealing with God's will, it's those things that we have to put in line. They have to be as important to us as they are to God. Now, he didn't stop me from getting a blender. I got me a ninja. I thought a ninja was a Japanese, but it's, a, it's also a blender, I guess. It's a ninja. Oh, maybe dojo. Where's dojo? Oh, there he is. Yeah. He might know. It was like, hey, you got a ninja, all right? So I got it. So we, we, we've looked at his decreed will. There's a certain thing about his decreed will. It's unchangeable. We have to, we have to fall in line to it. it you know, he, he has a plan for man. From the, from the beginning of, earth, of time, before he created the heavens and the earth, 
And he had, an, he had an ideal. He had a desire. And, and because God is love, he wanted to shed his love on, on, on an object. What good is love if it, has, if it has nowhere to land? So in his wisdom, God said, I'm going to make man. But, and he made a perfect man. But when I say perfect, I had a big debate with my university professor. He was a Baptist, and he got mad at me. And he said, oh, God makes everything perfect, then the devil corrupted it. I go, no, my friend. No, you're wrong. God made the perfect, imperfect man. God knew what he was doing. See, if, God, if Adam were perfect, nothing could corrupt him. So when God made Adam, he made Adam with the ability to say one thing that no other creature can say is no to God. He made the perfect, imperfect man. So he makes this man and, and he sets him out and he goes, now... I want you and Adam, Adam and Eve, I want you, remember it's Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve, despite what some political parties may say. He goes, I want you guys to go out there and make babies, so I want a bunch of imperfect people just like you. And out of those imperfect people, I'm, I'm, I'm going to allow them to decide whether they want to serve God or the devil. Now, the devil's not going to come to you in a pitchfork and a tail. And I'm the devil will serve me. No, no. He will disguise himself, and he might come in the shape of a, of a, of a girl with, with, with tight jeans on. Hello, someone. He, in other words, he's going to want you to serve your flesh. The flesh is an extension of the world system, which is an extension of the devil. Or you're going to serve God. That's his decreed will. That's, what, that's his plan. So he, all, he gives us all a choice. Okay, you can either serve God. Joshua said, choose you this day whom you will serve. And Joshua was clear, who, and he goes, that's for me and my house. We're going to serve the Lord. And so our job, the decreed will, is not to make everybody by force serve a God. We're not called to do that. We are called to share the gospel, let them know there's a better way. And really, and if you want to go to hell, go for it. Better enjoy it while you can, because eternity is coming. So we're not called to change anybody's mind. We're called to share our lives and allow these imperfect people to decide if they want to go to heaven or if they want to go to hell and, and not hold, hold it against them. In fact, we can be their friend. We can walk them all the way to the gate of the house and I ain't going that way. You're on your own. Decreed will. That's just what we're, we're called to do, to be an example. Then they have the permissive will. And this is where a lot of people try to, they, they try to hang ten with sin. In other words, they want to get so close to sin, but they don't want to follow the edge. They're like, they want to get right there. And God will let you tinker with that. He, it's a permissive will. He's got to call your life, and he's going to allow you to do things that, okay, but you're going to have to suffer the consequences of your actions. There, there's always a reap. You will reap what you sow. So you want to play with sin right here? Believe me, you're going to touch the fire. You will get burned. God has ointment, but the burn is still going to hurt, and you still may have a scar after it, Right? And he allows certain things. The fact that God has a plan does not mean he is the cause of everything happens. See, there's another uh, 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 God of this world, little G. Satan is roaming around seeking whom he may devour. And he, is, he has tactics. He has strategies. And he's out there trying to convince you not to listen to the gospel, trying to convince you it's your life and you can do what you want, trying to convince you that you can do anything you want. Don't worry about it. It's your thing. Do what you want to do. I can't tell you who to sock it to, right? He, 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 he'll let you think that. But at the end of whatever you think you can get away with, 
there is repercussions. Hmm? Right? Some things happen, and he allows them to happen. Right? The story of Matthew, we talked about Matthew and several of these messages, helped us understand God's will when he went out and met Matthew there in the book of Mark. And, and, and he was teaching, and he just simply said, hey, you, Matthew, follow me. So he encountered Jesus who delivers an unexpected invitation. Not deep. He didn't tell him to go to Bible college. He didn't tell him to go to Betty. He didn't tell him to do anything. He said, you, follow me. Simple. And that's how God does it. Now, we have these other things, Bible college, to help us, or churches to guide us. But the simple thing is Jesus will always say to the individual, to the heart, follow me. You're going to have to decide if you're going to follow him or not. And then once you decide to follow God, be assured, all hell will break loose. Why? Because difficulties will arise in God's will. The devil does not want you to do God's will. When, when Jesus began his ministry, the Bible said he was tempted by the devil for 40 days and 40 nights. And, and it, not only that, it said he was led by the Holy Spirit to be tempted by the devil. Ooh, man. See, God's will is a trip. Say, it's a trip. Well, we know one thing. God is sovereign and qualified to be in charge, and he is perfect. Regardless of what we think, God's in charge. He's perfect. He knows exactly what he needs to do in our lives. Why? Because if you're going to do God's will, let's assume, I'm not going to ask you to let's assume all of you want to do God's will. Well, there's something that you have to come into, in contact with, and you have to resolve in your heart that you want to do this, irrespective of favor, friend, foe, finances. You don't care what F pops up. You want to do this. You have to come to a crisis of belief, right? A crisis of faith, a time in which God is calling you to something greater than who, that what you're doing, greater than, than going to work, greater than uh, cashing a check. You must come to a point where you're willing to sacrifice. Everybody's got to come there. Now, does everybody come there? Of course not. Because not everybody wants that deeper walk with God. And look, if God doesn't call you to that deeper walk, be happy where you're at. Praise the Lord. Believe me, I did not want that kind of walk with God. I didn't even know there was that type of walk. When I came to God, I just wanted to stop stabbing people and doing cocaine. That was it. I said, man, I, I'm, something wrong with me. I just want to stop being violent, and I want to just stop getting loaded. That's the only reason I came to God. Then God messed me all up, started taking me deeper and deeper. Now, he's not going to take everybody deeper but unless you want to. He wants to take you deeper. He wants to move you into the supernatural. He wants to mark you, but he's not going to force you. Why? Because not everybody can handle that crisis of belief. And because you can't handle it, God won't take you there. He'll allow you to find your spot right where you're at in the church, maybe in the children's church, maybe you're helping the evangelist, maybe you're just a good cook, and he might not take you too deep. Now, I know I feel the pressure. Go, oh, okay, I feel better now. Amen? But for some of you, that you know you got a call, and you know you've been running, you know you've been trying to hide, Huh? God's got a plan for your life, a great plan, right? But you have to be willing. See, God is not looking for
for, for the talented. God is not looking for the educated. God is not looking for anything but the willing. That's it. If you're willing, God will give you everything you need to accomplish his will for your life. You just got to be willing. Right? We talked about that with, with, with Abraham when he brought the heifer. Right? And because Abraham put that sacrifice down, we said, and we're living sacrifice because we're willing. We don't know what makes We're a living sacrifice. The Bible says when, he, when you put down a living sacrifice, and we've seen that described, that descriptor in Genesis chapter 15, it said the fire of God will walk amongst the sacrifice. That's why when we have to keep people, a certain amount of people that are willing to sacrifice, go that deeper walk. Why? Because without those type of people, God will not be here. We need those type of people who, are, who say, I have sacrificed my life. Because unless you have those type of people, why should God be here? Right? But when you have those people, the Bible says that God will walk amongst the sacrifice. Willing to sacrifice. Nobody made him. Nobody put a gun to my head and said, you better do this. No. I understood. I met the Holy Spirit. I met him. We talked. We, we, we wrestled. Uh, we disagreed. We reasoned together, and he convinced me the best thing to do would be to follow him wholeheartedly. See, without sacrifice, there's no fire. God will only walk amongst the sacrifice. And let understand this. God didn't consume the sacrifice. He walked among it. And that's what we're talking about. So let's, I want to get deeper to understand the God behind God's will. To God is a God of mercy. We will have a good time to say amen. You know, mercy, you know what mercy is, right? Mercy is not getting what you deserve. Now, you really think about it. Now, you may not have been caught, but how many of you were not caught for things you were glad you weren't caught for? Well, you guys should be raising both hands and your feet, amen? That's called mercy. You say, woo, man. See, when, when you're caught, well, and you're caught red-handed. I mean, they got you on the video. They got you on FaceTime, right? right? You're out there on, on, on Facebook and then Instagram, and, and everybody's got they're looking at you, and you're in the middle of it. You're caught. At that moment, you need mercy. See, that's what God, and see, God caught you. He knows exactly what you do, you're doing, right? He knows exactly what you did and what you're going to do. You're caught, and it's the mercy of God that keeps us alive. Huh? Every person without exception has hurt God in one way or another, right? But it is his mercy that still gives us hope. Imagine that. When we walk away from God, when we act the whore and walk away from God, he still loves us. When we turn our back on him and decide to sin, he still loves us. Huh? When we offend his will, when we offend his will, he extends his mercy. Rather than judgment, he extends his mercy. See, there's five ways God shows us his mercy. See, when we get mercy, one way and I have found is that when I'm going through it and his mercy relieves distress. You know, when you feel untreated or unfairly treated and you're walking with God, that stress, that, you know what I'm talking about? You're going through it, he'll relieve it. That's his mercy. And the reason he does it in my life is because I'm doing my best. Am I perfect? Nope. But I am doing my best to follow his will. And because I follow his will, when I go through it, and believe me, I go through it, I, 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 I kind of 
smile on the inside most of the time. Some people I smile on the outside when they say, oh, Pastor, I'm going through it. I feel like saying, welcome. Welcome to my world. So, but when you're following God's will, he relieves stress. He takes care of you. That's mercy. I was thinking about, about Joseph, poor guy. Joseph, here he is. He's just trying to do what God called him to do. He had a vision to do God's will, right? And his brothers burn him, sell him into slavery. And he's into slavery, and he becomes like the head honcho where he's at. He's the chief guy. He's a trustee, if you will, right? And he's there. And what happens? The master's wife gets, gets the hots for Joseph. And she goes, Joseph, Joey, Jojo, lie with me. Joe's young man like, what? Lie? Lie? Okay, I'll lie. I'm, I'm 12 feet tall. That's one lie. He's not that kind of lie, right? He said, now what? Now, most men would have thought they got a blessed. Instead, they got messed, right? Joseph said, oh, I ain't lying with you, girl. Right there, Rick James wrote a song about her. Right? She's a very freaky girl. Right? He, he wrote a song about that girl. The gun you don't take home to mother. That's her right there. And it says there, day after day. Now imagine that. It's not just one time he turned, I ain't, get off me, girl. No, it says, day after day, Potiphar's wife came, Jojo, lie with me. Day after day. Huh? And what did Joseph say? No, uh, I ain't lying with you. I like the words he says. You know, my master has given me everything to be in charge of everything but you. I will not do that. See, and that's what God does to us. Our master gives us a free will to have at what we want to have at. We have to decide what we will do and what we won't do. Hmm? So what if she gets mad during chapter 39, and he tries, this time he doesn't just say, lie with me, right? He, she grabs him. Lie with me. He goes, no, it's the 2 Timothy 2.22 rule. Huh? I call it the do 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 right? Flee youthful lust. And that's what he did. He did the 2 Timothy 2.22. He blew his horn. He said, nah, and he ran. The Bible says she held on to his garment, held it, and said, this man tried to attack me. She lied, and he goes to prison. Now, why am I saying this? We're getting all like, oh, that's cold-blooded. But it was God's will. Why? Because he stood righteous. He did the right thing. And you ever feel like that, man, I'm just doing the right thing. Why is everything hell? I just trying to do the right thing. I don't, I, I, why? I just want to do right. And he's doing the right thing, and the right thing put him in prison. Hmm? Think he was going through it? See, but God's will relieved his stress. He, he understood something. No, no. And what happened? He goes to prison, and he rises to the top in prison. He, he's in charge again. See, sometimes you're not going to understand what God is doing in your will. Huh? God's mercy put Joseph in jail. That's a deep one. I have a son who's in prison. And I tell you, it was God's mercy that put him in prison. Because I am fully convinced that if he had not gone to prison... He would be dead because he was running and gunning real hard, doing a lot of dope. When I say dope, heroin, right? 
running, dealing, working with the cartels. He was destined to die. And God's mercy stopped him. God's mercy gave Joseph strength to endure until God chose to use him. And that's what, that's what he'll do. You're going to go through it. God's got a call, plan in your life. You're in the home. You're going to go through it. If you don't go through it, then there's something wrong with the home. There's a process, right? Because only, only the strong survive. When I say strong, not physically strong, mentally strong, spiritually strong. Only the strong survive. That's why 80% of all our pastors came from the home. Why? Because they proved themselves and they're able to endure. Because you guys know you're in the home. You know how hard it is sometimes, right? Good. That's how it's supposed to be. Why? Because if you can't endure the process in the home and you think you have a calling in life, which most men in our home and most women in our home have calls in their life, if you can't endure the process there, when you get into church, the devil will lay sets on you and punk you. You have to be able to endure it to endure it out here because it gets harder out here because out here is Potter for his wife. Out here is the temptations. Not in the home, out here. Oh, but I'm ready. I'm ready. I've been there like two months and I'm ready. You are dumb. Let me move on. Second thing it does, it relieves grief. See, when a loved one dies, God's mercy comes in to relieve pain. I always pray that. Let the, let the comfort of the Holy Spirit. When someone dies or you're going through that kind of grief, no words can help. Sometimes even words annoy you. Oh, I understand. You don't understand. And we don't. We ought to be, admit that we don't understand, but God does. Huh? He knows how. God permits a tragedy to come, but he accompanies that tragedy with his mercy. The third thing, it relieves difficulties. Now, I'm going to say this. We need difficulties. To look at your neighbors and we need difficulties. Why? Because they are necessary to enjoy success. If you had no difficulties, you would not enjoy success. Huh? Without, a, without a battle, there's no victory. He says, I want the victory. You want a victory? I have when people say, I want the victory, Pastor. And I'm thinking, ooh, I wonder what battle he's going to face. Because there's only one way to get victory is you have to go to a battle. So when you say, I want the victory, it means you want to battle. Get ready to battle. And God will give you the victory because he relieves difficulties. So we live, we live a long life. Now, let me say that again. When we, live, when we long for life without difficulties, right, reminds us that oaks grow strong in, in hard winds. They don't go strong in soft winds. Diamonds are made under pressure. See, strength does not come without rain. Or, or, see, if you have, and you live in a place where there's no rain, then you're in a desert. So there has to be rain in your life. There has to be trouble in your life. You have to go through it. Has anybody gone through it? God bless you. God bless three of you. The rest of you, I'm praying that you go through it. You know what I'm talking about. Amen. You got to go through it. So it also relieves suffering. Suffering is part of God's plan. But he, so is his mercy. Sometimes you're going to go through it. Job went through it. People go through it. We all go through it. Life is brutal. Life is hard. But God will help you relieve, will help relieve that suffering. I, I hate doing funerals of non-believers. Because what can you tell them? You can't tell them the truth. You know, if you're a non-believer, 
Well, I welcome everybody here, and you know, we all knew John. And John, he's going to hell. He was no good on earth. He was a liar, cheat, fornicator, adulterer, and he's going to hell. You can't do that in a funeral. I'd be cold-blooded, right? So you don't even talk about the brother or the sister because what can you say? Hmm? But to a believer, when, when there's, death has no sting. So, so but, but, hey, God has a way of relieving suffering. And lastly here, before I move on, when we sin, we're miserable. God's mercy will relieve our guilt. Anybody been guilty? Huh? God will relieve our mercy, our, our guilt. See, God never changes. Now, we're fickle, right? One day, we love the Lord. I've had guys say, Pastor, I'm with you. I'm with you to the end. Man, I, we're going to do this. We're going to win the world. God's got a call on my life. God's got, he's going to use me. I'm, I'm, I'm looking, I'm like, wow, how long have you been here? I've been here a month. I feel like saying, shut up. But I don't. Because I know that month, you're just getting going. What happens eventually later, more and more, as time goes on, life happens. And so that's where you have to get proven, when life happens. How are you going to feel? What are you going to say when everything's going haywire or when things aren't going the way you intended it? Are you going to say you still have a call? See, I, I believe when you're certain that you have a call, nothing can change it and nothing will alter your walk. But if you have a little doubt or you're just talking next because I'm the pastor and you want to sound good, that won't keep you when trials come. What keeps you is you're certain that God called you. You're certain that there's more to life. You're certain. And you're certain. So when things hit you, it doesn't matter. It's okay. It's only a part of the process. It's okay. I know that God's got a plan for me. He wouldn't allow this to happen. When I was laying in my deathbed, I was dying. The doctor said, you're going to die. I said, I can't die. He, goes, he looked at me like I was crazy. I can't die because I have a plan. God gave me a promise. And that promise is in my heart. And it has not come to pass. So it has to come to pass. And I told the doctor this, if that, my promise doesn't come to pass, then I'm going to tell you God's a liar. Because God is not a liar. He is not a man that he should lie, and his word is true. I knew that promise, and I believe to this day, even though I was in my deathbed, my promise told death to get off me. Why? Because he had to fulfill a promise of God. And that kept me going. The trial tribulation, everything I go through. No, 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 I got a promise. I know where I'm going. We're fickle. One day we cry at the altar to be used. The next day we complain because somebody's using us too much. You ever say that? If you can use any, well, use me, God. Use me. God, use me. And then we make a head staff in the home. God, why are they using me so much? Didn't you just say you wanted to be used? Now you don't want to be used? We do that. You can, uh, instead of people in church, use me, God. Don't say it too loud. You're going to have to, you know, God will hear you when you whisper. So when you say use me, he's going to use you. Don't get mad when you feel used. And then they say that. They, they get all mad. Watch around. I feel like they use me. Well, yeah. <laughs> We're fickle, man. We're a trip. Why? See, when we stray from God's will, sometimes God brings in affliction to our unfaithfulness. He'll put us in check. He gets it back in course. Huh? When Israel made treaties with other nation, he, he afflicted them. 
when David sinned, he afflicted him. David says, I thank God for my affliction. Because it was in my affliction that I learned to hold true to your statute. It was my affliction that put me back online. Now, he doesn't have to, and he doesn't want to afflict you, but be a good cheer. If you want to stray off line, he will. Some people have a call, they're running for God, you're always going through. You know why? Because you ain't getting in line. You're still trying to do it your way. And then you wonder why you're getting afflicted. You begin to, you begin to compromise. Maybe. See, compromise is very dangerous. Compromise is probably one of the main motivators for affliction. He'll bring discipline to correct us. Huh? Psalm 119.66 reads, Teach me good discernment and knowledge. King David's writing, For I believe in your commandments. Verse 67, Before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now, I keep your word. But now, right? Before, before I went to jail and got a charge, I went astray. But now, that's why sometimes I like the court system. Now, all of a sudden, it'll straighten you out real quick. Amen? I think the mic is not loud enough because they don't hear me over here. They don't believe me or something. Amen? See, compromise will trigger a loss of hope. When we get away from God, we, walking in, and, and being in church loses its luster. Listen, if losing its luster, if you, if you don't have that excitement to come to church, it's not that the church, you know, oh, the church, man, the church, what's wrong with the church? The church is boring. No, the church is not boring. You're boring. There's always something to do. There's always someone to reach. There's always someone to praise. We need more people on our worship team. If you're bored, get on the worship team. What are you waiting for? You're bored? Come on, get, pick up your instruments, start playing. You're bored? Come on on and, and hit, hit the streets. You're bored? Church ain't boring. If you're bored, you're boring. As I take a drink of water. Huh? Compromise means that we have walked away from God. Not that God walked away from us. See, God is concerned with every step. And when you step without his leading, you're in sin. He needs to lead you. That's why it says there, be very, very careful never to compromise with people there in the land where you're going. For if you do, you will soon be following their evil ways. Check that out. Exodus 34, 12. He said, don't go out there to, uh, hanging out. Think, oh, I'm going to go hang out with my homeboys. Listen, I love your homeboys. I love your homegirls. But you need to get in the church. Because if you hang out with them, you will be doing what they are doing. Oh, no, it won't, Pastor. Now, not only will you be doing, you, you have shown me that not only will you be doing, but you'll be stupid enough to do it. Because if you think you can hang with them and not do it, you know, the Bible says, don't call anyone a fool. So I won't call anyone. But if the zapato wit fits, ponte Right? See, even when we compromise, God is waiting to reappear in your life. Waiting. All you got to do is stop it. Stop compromising. Don't do it no more. And he never changes. Hebrews 13, 7. Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. See, God restores hope. 
And I always consider the outcome my leader. I always consider the outcome of Parsoni and Nikki. They're my leaders. They're the ones I, I, I look to. They're the ones I want to follow. Yeah, and Pastor has changed the world. I want to do that. In my, I want to change the world. I'm not satisfied with just living to die. I want to change the world. And I don't know. Somebody in there here may be the next Billy Graham. Somebody in here, you may rise up to be governor of Colorado. Somebody, I don't know. But if I have any kind of input into your life, it'll be to be righteous and holy. And I want to change the world. I'm not satisfied with just having a church. No, I want, I want a, a ministry that's going to affect countries. Not just neighborhoods. Continents. Not just countries. I really do. That's, that's my desire. That's what God showed me. But what? I need a few people. I don't need a lot. I wish everybody, I only a few people who got the guts and the gumption to take it. Huh? To go through it. To endure hardship. Why? Because God is trying to change you. God wants to rebuild your character. We need new character. Hello, someone. So you may not be the person you hope to be, but God continues his construction in your life. And he needs to change us. Because his plans is to make us, make you something special. Not just what you are, not just what you think you are. And you may have great plans for yourself. You may have great aspirations. And praise the Lord. But nothing compared to, to what God has planned for you. Nothing. No eye has seen, nor ear has heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those who love him and who are called according to his purposes. That's what we need. So God wants to, to touch you and grab you. He wants to renew your call if you've been walking away from it. So I'm not sure where you are in life, but I declare that God has a call for you. God has a mission. The Lord's compromises, uh, rather, the Lord's compassion never fails. The Lord's faithfulness never tires. He's not, gonna, he's not tired of waiting. He's expecting you to turn around. He believes in you. As a matter of fact, I really believe that you believe in you. You wouldn't even be here if you didn't have some kind of hope and belief in yourself. You wouldn't because you're looking for a change. And you're saying if there's a change, there's got to be a change where God's at. And God wants to change your life. Psalm 119, 1 through 6 reads, Happy are all who perfectly follow the law of God. Happy are all who search for God and always do his will. Rejecting compromise with evil and walking only in his path. You have given your laws to obey. Oh, I want to follow them consistently. Then I will not be disgraced, for I will have a clean record. God, not, God cannot and will not change. Regardless if we respond to him in love or anger. And listen, I've been mad at God. Anybody ever been mad at God? Yeah, I've been mad at God. I mean, agitated, angry, angry. Huh? And his compassion never left me. His mercy never waned. His love never changed. No. Why? Because he understands we're human. And in fact, if you've never been angry with God, then you probably don't have a relationship. Any good relationship has to endure anger. You ever been mad at your mom? Angry at your dad? Huh? Mad at your sister, your brother? Of course it is. But it didn't change your relationship. You still love them. You still talk to them. You still come up to them. You still look forward to seeing them. That's how God is. Uh, he, he don't change. Regardless if we respond to him in disobedience or praise. He, he still loves you. He doesn't love you because 
because you praise him. He loves you because he loves you. Period. As I close, we have to understand God's in charge. We need to shut down our defenses, open up to God's word, and learn to benefit from the leadership of the Holy Spirit. That's why I open up with the opening scripture. Ephesians 5.15, Therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time, because the days are evil. So then do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Verse 18, let's keep reading. And do not get drunk with wine. Do not get drunk. They say, well, is it okay to drink? This right here says what? Do not get drunk. Okay? For you sipping saints, be careful. I like that one. Verse 19. It says, do not get drunk with wine, for this is dissipation. But here, you want to get drunk? Be filled with the Spirit. Get drunk in the Spirit. And believe me, if you've never been drunk in the Spirit, you're messing out. The Spirit will jack you up. Amen. Verse 19, speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord. Always give thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father. So this is the mystery. God uses mistake-prone people to do his will. Right? God still uses us, people that sometimes put our foot in our mouth, to be his mouthpiece. God opens his divine reputation. He opens his divine reputation to human speaking. Now think about it. We could get behind the pulpit and preach God's word, and if we're not careful, we go out in the streets and we allow somebody to get in our face and we cuss them out and curse them. And God's going to use us? Yeah, I don't get it either. He's going to use us. God opens all this, so we need to be careful with our mouth, what we say, how we act. You just can't get away with it. Eventually, God's going to have to deal with you. He's going to have to afflict you. Why? Because he has a plan for you. You can't be like that. See, the author of Ephesians reminds us that, that we should do our utmost to avoid opening our lips before we know what we're going to say. Verse 17 do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. God's in charge. But be quiet. I always, uh, this, this is one thing that I just, I'm amused. People come up to me and go, Pastor, God told me. I go, oh, okay. So when, when, you know, when, when a person comes up to me, I learned this from my pastor. When a person comes up to me and tells them that God told them, then they want my advice. I can't give it to you. Why? Who am I? If God told you, what are you talking to me for? God told you, then you better go ahead with your bad self. Let, you know, God didn't tell me that. So either God's not telling me or you think you're talking to God. So I just let it go. But if you want advice and you ask me my opinion and God didn't tell you, then I might give you my opinion. Because God's will is nothing 
to take flippantly or to take for just, oh, no, God told me. No, no, you better, if, if, you, if God told you and that's God's will, okay. But you better be right. Because if not, if it's the wrong verse and you follow it, then the devil's got you by a hook on your nose like a pig. You need to be very careful. Claiming that God told you. Huh? Be very careful. So, since God is in charge, there's really no rush to say anything. Ephesians 5, 1, guard your steps as you go to the house of God. Ephesians, uh, Ecclesiastes, rather, 5, 1, Ecclesiastes 5, 1. Guard your steps as you go to the house of God and draw near to listen rather than to offer the sacrifice of fools. For they do not know they are doing evil. So when we silence our mouth, we can effectively open our heart. As we open our heart, we hear God's words for our life. As we hear God's word, we open up to his presence and power. See, when we're quiet, we open to God's spirit. Once we're open to God, we avoid the constant state of foolishness. At this point, we're at the precipice. We're right there at the edge of trying to understand what the will of the Lord is. We're right there. We're getting used to something. At that point, God begins to shut down your fears. Because now you're getting closer to his will. You begin to shut them down. Begin to put, begin to put in confidence. Uh, and God wants to move in your life. We open up, and then we become empowered by that same spirit. I want every head bowed and every eye closed.